Hello, this is Louis Porras, and welcome to another edition of Kingsnake.com's web radio. Today our special guest is Rob Roy McGinnis, president of Glades Herp Incorporated in Fort Myers, Florida. Many of you in the Herp community are probably aware that Glades Herp is the largest retail Herp dealership in the United States. You know, Rob, I've known you for a real long time, uh, probably a lot longer than I care to admit, so you must be an old-timer in this industry. But before we get to talking about uh, Glades Herp and the Herp industry, uh, I'd like for you to tell our audience a little something about yourself. For starters, uh, how about telling us about uh, when you developed an interest in Herps? Uh, well, Louis, my interest in Herps started real young. Um, my brother came home on his bike one day with, uh, from a snake hunting trip with a kid down from down the block. He had a couple of ringneck snakes and a brown snake, I think, and I was hooked as soon as I saw those snakes and uh, just started, you know, hunting and catching snakes in the fields around our house in, in uh, south of Miami. Um, you know, our, our trips would be uh, centered around a Saturday morning heading to uh, the railroad tracks that ran along the highway, and we'd catch, you know, corn snakes and skinks and, and brown anoles and sell them to a place called uh, Wonderland for Pets. Uh, you know, just um, just to get enough money to buy a Coke and some candy to make the walk back home. But it, it was an early start, and I never looked back. Since you grew up in South Florida, uh, did you ever get a chance to visit with some of the uh, animal dealer compounds in the area? Well, sure. When we were uh, uh, you know, in high school, I met a friend, uh, Tony Alentado. He was a, a Cuban guy that uh, introduced me to a place called Fauna Distributors in Little Havana, District of Miami. Uh, where they imported animals from Colombia. And it was a real eye-opener walking in there. They had monkeys and sloths and uh, tons of reptiles, too. It, I just, it was a blast to go there. Uh, we would buy iguanas for 50 cents and, and uh, you know, drive around town, sell them to the pet stores for a dollar and make enough money to go back by the end of the day and buy something for ourselves. It, it was a lot of fun. Um, I then uh, ran into, uh, or Tony heard about a place called The Shed, uh, you know the shed, Louie. <laughs> sure do. <laughs> uh, we uh, and that place was, uh, you know, uh, the the biggest eye opener for me. You know, it was, uh, if I recall, it was uh, kind of sandwiched between a massage parlor and Jimmy's Pizza, and it was <laughs> heaven on earth for me. Uh, I hung around that place for for many hours through high school. Rob, I recall that you used to spend a lot of time at the shed. Oh yeah, I was always there after school. Your partner Joe Baraducci was always trying to run me off. You know, and, and uh, I never had enough herbs to sell or, or money in my pockets to buy anything. So uh, he finally got sick of me hanging around, decided to hire me to clean cages and run shipments to the airport. Uh, for the first few months, so I took my pay in animals, if I recall. <laughs> I remember that fateful day when Joe and I hired you to clean the cages of the shed. You know, uh, those are the days. Uh, and I also remember you coming into work after school and uh, on weekends and, of course, uh, whenever you were on vacation. But then uh, I also recall you growing up and uh, heading off one day to school. Uh, so what can you tell us about your adventures in the academic world? Well, I, I went to, uh, started at Santa Fe Community College. They had a, a teaching zoo program up there that caught my interest. And, uh, you know, that, that's what I uh, felt. The direction I wanted to go was into zoos and uh, work in a reptile house. Uh, so I, I got an AS degree from uh, Santa Fe Community College as a uh, biological parks technician. But, uh, you know, about halfway through that program, I realized that I really, you know, uh, with the urging of my parents that I needed to go on and get my bachelor's degree, so I transferred to the University of Florida, uh, which was my parents' alma mater and uh, kind of a, a, a going home for me because I've always uh, done a lot at the University of Florida. So I uh, got a bachelor's degree from there. Uh, 
But when I graduated, you know, I really uh, missed the business. Uh, I stayed active working my way through college, working at pet shops and, and going back to Miami and visiting wholesalers on on the week, uh, you know, vacations and still working at the shed over Christmas and, and summers. And I uh, just really wanted to get back to the business full time. Ended up uh, taking a job at Pet Farm Incorporated in Miami. At the time, it was one of the largest animal dealers in Miami, uh, importing birds, mammals, and herbs from all over the world. You know, Pet Farm isn't uh, around any longer, but it uh, sure was a legendary dealership. Uh, fill us in and give us a brief picture of what Pet Farm was really like. Well, I think uh, the thing that was most embodied Pet Farm was parrots. I mean, it was one of the largest importers uh, and, and dealers in parrots that ever existed, I think, anywhere in the world. Uh, they had, you know, as many as a dozen quarantine stations uh, full of birds at, at any one time. And the warehouse was just an incredible uh, collection of birds. Literally thousands and thousands of birds at, at any one time uh, were moving through the place. And I had a small part working in the in the reptile department uh, with, a you know, an old friend and an ex-college roommate named Scott Hersey. Uh, we, we had some great times there working together. Um, you know, and, and I think that we did a... a a good job of, of uh, working to to make sure that all the animals were well taken care of, and, and you know, and trying to do things on a level that um, was was good for the animals and, and kept them healthy for the customers. Uh, although you know, those things are difficult to accomplish when you when you're talking about uh, dealing in thousands of animals. So, uh, when did you leave Pet Farm? Um, I left Pet Farm in '89. I uh, I was talking with a, a customer and, and uh, uh, supplier of Pet Farm, Bill Love, which used to bring us rodents and, and you know, captive-born corn snakes. And we went out for pizza one night uh, after uh, him delivering to Pet Farm and started talking about how you know we uh, we, we both were you know looking for a, a dealer that would supply reptiles uh, to 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 us, and, and we felt that if you know there's probably lots of other herpers out there that were looking for this dealer that would you know, supply them with quality reptiles that were healthy and, you know, someone that you could trust that wouldn't rip you off. And, uh, and we thought, well, maybe we should get together and, and uh, start such a place. Now, didn't Bill and Kathy have a place called Glades Herpeticulture? Yeah, they, they had Glades Herpeticulture, and that was the beginnings of, of our company. We kind of shortened the name to Glades Herp and uh, went into business together. We started, you know, pretty modestly. We They had a um, a little building that Bill built himself. It was half rodents and, and half uh, colubrid snakes. Uh, we went. We rented a warehouse in town. Uh, I think you know we, it was a it was a big warehouse. It wasn't much of a warehouse, uh, just a tin building, but uh, it was five thousand square feet for a very low price. So we went for it, and and that was the beginnings of our of our of Glades Herp. Before we continue talking more about Glades Herp, uh, and before we cut for a commercial break, fill us in uh, with a little more information about yourself. Okay. Um, well, I was born in Miami. Uh, never have lived outside of Florida. Um, let's see. I've been married 19 years. I have four kids, uh, four boys, ranging from age 4 to 16. Um, I love to travel. You know, uh, I've tra I usually travel around the states going to different reptile shows and uh, try and take the kids camp in the in the Carolinas or where, wherever once a year and and I love traveling to Europe. I usually go once or twice a year to to you know see friends and uh, go to reptile shows over there and I get go to the tropics uh, uh, I think uh, one of my 
first trips to the tropics was uh, on the Green Tracks trip to Peru with Bill Lamar and, and you, and uh, it was one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah, you remember that Brazilian rainbow you caught in the high forest crawling during the, <laughs> during the day? That was really a rush. Okay, go ahead, Rob. Another highlight from the trip was uh, catching those Stenocircus fimbriatus, the little leaf lizards. Boy, those things were incredible. And I remember uh, chasing them through the forest. They, you know, you, you'd spook one, they'd run a few steps and then freeze and, and be invisible in the leaf litter. And my brother was with us on that trip and he'd circle around to try and cut them off and we'd both be uh, you know, on our hands and knees trying to find them and it just brought back memories of when we were kids and it was just a, a great trip for me. Oh, the tropics are wonderful, aren't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I am a big sports fan, uh, big Gator fan, like pro football and basketball and all that. Uh, so, But, you know, herps are definitely uh, my biggest interest, and my free time is often spent herping. Well, the time is here for us to take a short break to hear from one of our sponsors. You're listening to Kingsnake.com's web radio, and we'll be back with information about Glace Herp in just a few minutes. If you've been looking for a site that is as serious about your animals as you are, then your search is over. eHerp.com has everything for the serious herper. At eHerp.com, we know that your time is precious, so don't waste it looking through pages of products that you know you'll never use. Remember, eHerp.com, we're as serious about your animals as you are. We're back. Uh, this is Lee Porras, and you're listening to Kingsnake.com's web radio. Today we're visiting with Rob McGinnis, the president of Glades Herb, the nation's largest reptile dealership. So, Rob, uh, we were talking about how you joined uh, Bill and Kathy Love and Glades Herpeticulture and changed the name to Glades Herb. Uh, what was the business like in those days? Oh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, we had, uh, it, was, it was really the early stages of, uh, you know, people really starting to produce a lot of captive-born animals and, you know, our, ourselves, we were producing a, a thousand baby snakes a year and, and increasing all the time. And, and I think that um, it was a good time to get into the business, you know, to start our own business. Um, and, and Bill was a big part of, of promoting us and, and getting us off the ground. He, he uh, is the the uh, mastermind behind the price list, which I think was the strength of our business. And, um you know, he, he just really, really helped a lot. And we, we complimented each other. Bill came from, you know, brought to the business a, a colony of colubrid snakes and a, a good mailing list, a rodent colony. And I brought to the business my experiences with import-export and uh, my, you know, first-hand knowledge of uh, a lot of different breeders and or, or importers in Miami. And then also, you know, uh, a strong background with keeping lizards and tortoises uh, in my own collection, which we, we just merged the whole thing together, and it worked out real well. You know, you, you mentioned price list. Uh, I was in the business for over three decades, and I know what it takes to publish stock bulls. And so, uh, you know, in all my years that I was at the shed uh, and at Zooherp, uh, it was impossible for us to publish any more than maybe six or eight stock bulletins uh, in any given year. And yet, uh, Glade somehow manages to religiously put out a monthly stock bulletin. How in the world do you guys do that? Well, it's a lot of work. I mean, it started with, with Bill's uh, insistence. He felt that, that was a real important thing to... Uh, uh, to the business to get one out every month and um, you know I've tried to stick to that we usually get out at, at least 11 if not 12 a year and um, it is a very important part of our business uh, you know it's, it's changed a little bit uh, we, we now have the uh, website and, uh, the website's really just an extension of the list we we update the website with the full stock list first of each month and then uh, 
But now the 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 beauty of the website is we can have new arrivals uh, every other day, and so uh, it, it's changed a lot the way our list is done. But we still produce the the, the printed list once a month, and usually try and mail it the, the first or second week of the month. Um, and so it's it's always been a strong part of our business, and it's just a lot of work. Now, Bill and Kathy are no longer with Blades, so how did that come about? Well, Bill was uh, was always the uh, the strength behind the uh, shop talk on the price list, and started developing more interest in in writing and uh, his career with photography. He started writing for Reptiles magazine while he was still with Blades, and then also at the same time was developing a an idea he had for a business, taking people you know to places like Madagascar, herping, and uh, as those things started developing and, and taking his interest, we decided to um, to split and. You know, it was a very cordial uh, split. We we still remain very close friends, and uh, Kathy uh, retained the uh, Colubrid collection and continues breeding those today. And and Bill is uh, pursuing his career uh, in those other aspects. And that that was in '96. So I've been kind of on my own since '96. And how many employees do you have at Glades? Well, I've got 13 employees. Um, Got a you know uh, B.J. Kulik and and Chuck Hurt have been with me since the early '90s and uh, you know very important to our success here and uh, we've got uh, uh, Bill Pierce who was with us uh, from the very beginning and then uh, left for a couple of years and is, is now back and and uh, Terry McLeish is is fairly new and he's the strength behind our internet site and does all the work on that and I think that's part of what makes this possible is I got some very good people working with me, and uh, we, we work as a team. So what kind of clientele does Glades uh, cater to? Um, well, you know, we we, uh, we cater to everyone. We, we uh, sell to beginners, you know, people buying their first iguana or bearded dragon or corn snake, um, all the way to uh, experienced herpers and zoos, museums, universities. Uh, we, you know, we, we keep a very diverse inventory of different species from uh, invertebrates, uh, frogs, lizards, snakes, everything that has to do with herbs. And I think that uh, that attracts a very diverse clientele. You also carry a very large selection of dry goods, don't you? Sure. We, we do carry a lot of dry goods. I mean, we have a retail store, so, uh, you know, that, that attracts a lot of walk-in business. So, you know, I don't uh, sell a lot of aquariums and caging uh, on our uh, website or on our, in our stock list. Those things we just carry in the store. Uh-huh. Now, you've been in this industry now for decades. Uh, can you tell us about any of the changes that you've seen in the reptile industry in recent years? Oh, yeah. I've seen a lot of changes. Uh, I think that uh, the biggest change is that, uh, you know, when we started out, there was uh, a lot of people were were people that were interested in herbs, and, and it was just the beginning of the of it really taking off for, for captive breeding. And, you know, we, we did a lot of selling to uh, on the premise of, um, you know, if you buy these animals and, and take good care of them and raise them up a couple of years, you can breed them too. And what that's brought is uh, a lot of our customers now are our suppliers or our competitors. And it's, it's kind of a unique business in that way. Um, and, and it's become, with the advent of the Internet, uh, the business has just really taken off to where there's, uh, uh, I think, uh, a lot of people out there that are in it. And what is your vision of the industry? Well, you know, my vision would be that I think we can do better than we've done in the past uh, with making a, a seamless transition from animals that are produced in captivity uh, or wild-caught 
going from uh, a dealer or a breeder to the end consumer with, with very little loss or, or very little problem. I think that, it's, that the technology is there. It's possible. It's just going to take uh, you know, the people in the industry uh, seeing that as a, a necessity, and, uh, and, I, and I think it can be accomplished. In the, in the future, I'd like to see uh, you know, less mortality and less uh, stress on the animals when they go from you know, wild uh, situations into captivity. And then we've seen that with a lot of species. We, I bring in shipments from countries where I have a really good shipper and, you know, can bring in 200 lizards and, and lose one or none. And, and I think it's possible. And, you know, it's my vision of the future is that that could be done on a large scale. You know, uh, during the many years that I was in the business, uh, the amount of paperwork that was involved with obtaining permits was really one of the most unpleasant aspects of uh, the business that I had to deal with. Now, how do you cope with all this mounting bureaucracy? And uh, over the years, has any of this paperwork gotten any easier? Uh, well, it's not getting any easier, Louie. Okay. Um, uh, I could talk about this all day. Uh, I, I think that the, the CITES, the Convention of International Trade and in Endangered Species, it's, it's probably a, a well-written uh, legislation or international treaty, and I think that it's workable. You know, it, it's something that the, the parties meet every few years, and they uh, have testimony from scientific authorities from different countries, and then they make decisions uh, on, you know, what level of protection that the animals uh, uh, should be given. Uh, and I think that's a, a, it's, a, it's, it's not perfect. There's some species that probably should have never been listed that are not endangered, and there's some that, that should be on there that haven't made it. But it, at least there is an opportunity every four years for the parties to get together and to change it and to constantly make it better. And so it's something we can work with. Sure, it, it causes some paperwork, and, uh, but, you know, if, if it helps uh, save species in the future, then it's all worth it. Uh, the other major piece of legislation we have to deal with is the Endangered Species Act. Um, the ESA came first uh, in the early 70s before the CITES, and, you know, it, it probably is, is not as... Uh, you know, uh, applicable in today's uh, time. And the main reason is that you don't see it changing. You know, that the same species that were put on the Endangered Species Act as endangered or threatened uh, species from around the world, um, you know, even when they change on CITES, when they, like the American alligator is a big success story and others, uh, that those things change in their status on CITES. But in, in the Endangered Species Act, you, you see species just staying in the status where they're, it's inappropriate. Um, and, and in my view, the Endangered Species Act should be kept alive for native species, but uh, is uh, not necessary for uh, species from other parts of the world. Okay, so what is your outlook for the future with regard to amphibian and reptile legislation for the industry? Um, well, you know, I, I, there's been a lot of rumors through the years that, that uh, it's going to be more difficult to to bring animals in and that uh, it's going to be more difficult to be in this business. Uh, but I've noted through the years that it seems like uh, some countries do close, and but there's more countries now uh, open to shipping animals than ever before. And it's you know not like the old days. A lot of countries have quotas, and a lot of countries are only allowing the export of captive-born animals. Um, and, you know, my up outlook for the future is positive. I think that eventually common sense and applied science will dictate you know, how we legislate uh, you know, the dealing with animals in the future. And if that's the case, then uh, I think everything will, be, uh, will work out. This has been an extremely informative interview, and I wish that we could keep on going. But uh, unfortunately, we're about to run out of time. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Rob McGinnis of Blades Herb. 
Uh, for more information about Glaze, you can visit their website at www.gherp.com. That's uh, G-H-E-R-P.com. Or call Glades at uh, area code 941-693-1077. Rob, it's been a real pleasure having you on board today. Thanks for taking the time to share your information. Louie, always a pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Let's get down to Peru again this year. Well, that about wraps up another edition of Kingsnake.com's web radio. For Kingsnake.com, this is Louie Porras. And until the next time, once again, I bid you a fond and cordial farewell.